Hello and welcome. My name is Pastor Shane Britt, and it is such an honor to have you join our podcast today. I pray that you will find something uplifting and encouraging in the word you are about to hear. Also, please feel free to connect with us via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. I'm so excited about what you're about to hear. Let's dive right into the Word of God. I'm going to talk to you today for, uh, for a few minutes um, on this theme, a life that matters. A life that matters. Usually I have people clap when I take a drink of water so it doesn't seem awkward. So could you clap real quick? By the time you knew what to call it, you were neck deep in it. You'd walked and talked, smelled crayons and swung bats, giggled your way out of diapers and marched into childhood. You'd notice how guys aren't gals and dogs aren't cats and pizza always beats spinach. And then somewhere in the middle of it all, it hit you. At your grandpa's funeral, perhaps. Or maybe when you waved goodbye to your big brother as they left for the Marines, you realize that these days are more than ice cream, homework, and pimples. This is called life. And this one is yours. Complete with summers and songs and gray skies and tears, you have a life. Didn't request one, but you have one. A first day and a final day and a few thousand in between. You've been given your life. No one else has your version. Your life will never be lived by anyone else. You're not a jacket in an attic that can be recycled after you're gone. You're not just somebody who woke up in this world accidentally. You've been divinely anointed, divinely planted, and divinely designed. And nobody else can do what you do, see what you see, and accomplish what you accomplish. You are anointed by God to do something unique in this world. As soon as one day's lived, here comes another. The past has passed, and the good old days are exactly that. The stuff of rearview mirrors and scrapbooks. Life is racing by, and if you aren't careful, you and I will look up, and our one shot at it will have passed us by. Rest assured. Most people don't bother with such thoughts. They grind their way through their days without lifting their life to look. They live and they die and they never ask why. However, for most of us, for all of us in this building, we aren't like that. We want to do good. We want our lives to matter. We want to live in such a way that the world will be glad we did. We want to leave our anointed handprint on this church. We want to leave our anointed handprint on this region. We want to leave our anointed handprint on our family. We know we've been called, and we want to live a life that matters. The big question really is this. Can God use me, and can God 
God use you? Can God use you with all your issues and all your trouble? Can God use me with all my brokenness and all my pain? Can God use us with all our stuff? The resounding answer is a thundering, ringing in the heavens. Yes, God can. And not yes, God can. Yes, God wants to. Yes, God has a plan. Yes, God has a way. Oh, you might not say, you might say, you don't know this paragraph, you don't know this chapter, you don't know this season of my life, and I say it like this, God has a way of anointing and weaving your story in such a way that you cannot imagine what he will do with it. The first 120 people he empowered to change the world were an odd crew, largely bound by the fact that they were ordinary. Fishermen, a former street walker or two, a converted revolutionary or three. They had no clout with Caesar and no friends with wealthy influence. Truth be told, they had nothing more than a fire in their belly to change the world and a desire in their spirit to be filled with the power of his presence and do great things for his kingdom. And here we stand in the middle of the most broken generation in history. There are more hurting people more hungry people, more desperate people than there has ever been in any other phase of history. And here we are, you and me, and our modern day version of that Jerusalem church. You and me, and our one-of-a-kind lifetimes, and our once-in-a-history opportunity. You don't need greatness. You don't need extraordinary intellect, talent, or skill. You just need hunger. You need passion. You need to know that you're called to be the person that escorts this church into the greatest move of history that God has ever recorded. I need to back up and say, you need to know that you're called to be the individual that escorts this church into the greatest move of history that God has ever recorded. You're the one, not your neighbor, not your cousin, not your mom, not your dad, but you, you with all your one-of-a-kind issues and all your unique stories, you with all your trouble and all your pain. You with all your questions and all your doubts. You with all your anxieties and all your dilemmas. God's called you to be that one. There's a few things, though, you got to do if you want to live a life that matters. The first thing is you have to worry less and pray more. Worry less and pray more. It's no secret that sometimes prayer can be a struggle. However, the necessary fuel you need to accomplish your God task can only be gained in prayer. Pray daily. Pray intentionally. And if you have trouble praying, find somebody who knows how to pray and listen to them pray and learn to say what they say until you develop a language of your own. I developed most of my prayer life with my back against the cold metal of that dryer and my feet propped up in the hall of that single wide trailer. As my mom and dad began to talk to God, I heard them through struggle and pain and loss and victory begin to assuage the 
heavens with their powerful prayer. And over and over and over, I heard them say things that I repeat in my own spirit, man, to this day. More than one time, I heard my dad back against the wall, head down, shoulder sagging, money limited, food scarce, trouble on every hand. I heard him when he didn't have anything else to say. He'd have that big old bass voice, and he'd say, oh, Holy Ghost. And every now and then, I find myself in the middle of life with my back against the wall and my head down and my shoulders sagging and trouble on every hand. And the only thing I've got is, oh, Holy Ghost. Somebody shout, oh, Holy Ghost. Oh, Holy Ghost. (laughs) Sometimes that's all I've got. I'd love to be more eloquent. I'd love to say it better. I'd love to have better verbs and stronger adjectives. But sometimes all I've got. Oh, Holy Ghost. And I've never called that name. I've never beseeched God with that kind of faith that God didn't come right into the middle of my situation and check on me. Maybe you could pray like my friend Cliff Turner, who I heard pray this prayer in a staff prayer meeting, and I repeated it a thousand times in my life. Lord, Awaken the imaginations of my faith. Lord, help my faith go ahead of me and around the next bend. Help my faith see things that I can't see on my own and have my faith report back to me so I can pray those things into motion. And sometimes when I'm not sure, I find myself saying, Faith, go on around the next bend. Go on down the road just a little further and report back to me so I can pray what God may want to do in my life. Or maybe you could pray like my friend Josh, who I heard pray in a pre-service prayer. This prayer, Lord, prepare my heart to receive in this service and prepare my soul to give the highest praise humanly possible. And after that service, I noticed him around the front of the church. His hands would be stretched high, and he'd get up on his tiptoes. And after it was over, I said, Josh, what in the world were you doing on your tiptoes, son? He said, I prayed God. God, help me give the highest praise humanly possible. And I was stretching toward God with everything I had in me. And so every now and then, I say, God, help me in this service. Give the highest praise humanly possible. And more than one time, I found myself trying to get up a little higher. Oh, God, help me. (laughs) And then maybe you could pray like my friend Ryan Ware who spoke to God in another staff meeting one day. And he prayed this prayer that I've prayed a thousand times as well. Holy Ghost, let my faith be on the lookout for divine possibility. Holy Ghost, let my faith be on the lookout for divine possibility. And I get a mental image of faith standing up on the bow of my ship in the middle of storm and trial and loss. And faith's got his hand over his eye. 
and he's looking down the road and he's screaming back, hey guys, I see something on the horizon that's greater than you could ever imagine. And tonight, today in this service, if somebody could get the courage to beckon your faith to be on the lookout for divine possibility, you'd set up a little straighter. Your head would raise a little higher because you'd realize your trial is only temporary because faith looking for the next great breakthrough. The second thing, I'm going to hurry, respond to God quickly, often, and without reservation. Quickly, often, and without reservation. When God moves on you, move quickly before you miss your moment. Discern and determine that in every service that you will be on the lookout and the listen for the voice of God. And if God speaks, you will move. Because I will warn you, when God starts trusting you, that you will hear his voice. He will increasingly speak greater and greater things to you. And before long, God will speak something so massive to you. And if you hadn't prepared yourself beforehand, your flesh will talk you out of a miraculous moment. God will speak so strongly in your ear, and you'll sit on it. Because it's grander than your mind can imagine. But I'm telling you, when God speaks, move quickly. I was preaching in Lexington, Tennessee in a, in a church, and, uh, and I was going down the aisle. I was young at the time. I was preaching loud and long and hard, uh, the only way I knew at the moment. And, uh, and man, I was preaching. And I was walking down the aisle, and there was a young couple on their feet clapping their hands. And I, was, I, I passed them up just a little, and I whirled around to them while I was preaching. And I said, hey, guys, you're about to have that child that you've been praying for for so long. I kept on preaching. I didn't realize, being young and not very observant, the whole church on that side blew up and began to shout and dance. I just kept on preaching. I was standing about 25 years later. I was standing in front of a campground, a big conference hall, and I was standing there speaking to some friends. And I saw a couple and a young boy walking up the aisle. And they said, hey, Brother Massey, you got a minute? I said, yes, I sure do. They said, you don't remember us. But I want to remind you about Lexington, Tennessee, a little over 20 years ago, you were preaching and you said, you're about to have that baby you've been praying for. They said, you could not have known that that week physicians had said, it's impossible, you'll never have a child. You might as well go ahead and look at your adoption options. He said, we were fine with that, but we wanted a child of our own so desperately, and we were hanging on to a thread of hope. They said, hey, I want to introduce you to this boy. And he was stepping forward was a 19-year-old kid. They said, here's the one that you were prophesying about all that time. I thought to myself, I thought to myself, whoa, faith won that round. If I'd have thought about it too long, if I'd have dwelt on it too much, I wouldn't have said a word. But just in the right moment, I spoke it out. There's somebody in this building that's about to get courage enough to say, hey, I believe God's talking to me. Somebody shout, Holy Ghost! Holy Ghost. <laughs> 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 
You say, why do you keep stopping there, Brother Massey? Because I'd overheard conversations. And those conversations were this. Bills high, money low. Don't know how we're going to feed all these kids. Don't know how it's going to work out. But over time, Holy Ghost. I didn't realize it when I was a kid. But when I got a little older, I realized there was something in that Holy Ghost. How could I knock the heavens? Whoo, I got three minutes, guys. The third thing to live a life that matters. Whoo, somebody shout Holy Ghost. Whoo. Holy Ghost. Cancer can't last when you pray it like that. Poverty can't latch on to you forever when you pray it like that. Job opportunities and business expansion have to start manifesting when you pray like that. The third thing you have to do to live a life that matters is embrace the word and let go of the world. And when I talk about the world, I don't mean all its customs only. I just mean this. At some point in a faith life, you'll have to decide whose opinion matters the most. The world and my peers or my God? world and my peers are God. We were having one of those wild Sunday night services in South Louisiana. They had two doors like this, but they just led outside. And the Holy Ghost was moving, and the Lord dropped a little idea in my head. He said, you tell the people, this is the seventh day, the sixth time around. And you open those doors, and you tell them if they'll march around this building and come in the other side, when they get in the other side, the miraculous will unlock in unprecedented ways. So I just said it before I could think about it. Seven days, six time around. One lap on the outside of this church, the supernatural is going to unlock in some of your lives. There's probably 500 folks there that night, and I figured maybe a hundred of them would take me up on it. My Lord, 496 of them decided that was a grand idea. And they charged out of that door on the right. I'm talking about finesse, professional people dressed to the nines. And he'll Billy Hank dressed to the zeros. The whole crowd charged out the door. I thought they'd just march around and come back. I wasn't prepared for it all. Time went by. A couple hundred were back in the building. I went leaning over to somebody and said, where are the rest of them? They said, you got to come out here and look. I went out there and looked. Hundreds of people were in the parking lot. <laughs> they was anointing cars. In the name of Jesus! Some old guy driving a hoopty to church needed a better way to get to work. He had his friends gathering around. They were shaking that little Nissan. In the name of Jesus, make a way for my brother. Finally, I coaxed him. Come on back in here. And ushers coaxed him and got him on back. And then here comes that other guy with the ominous look. Right, Pastor, you got to come out here and see this. You need to get him inside. I went out the side door. 
There he was. <laughs> I know it sounds radical. I know. Wait here the end of it. Four lanes of traffic. Here was this old boy out to the edge of the highway. And every time a car came by, he'd say, In the name of Jesus, bring him to this house. I know it looked crazy. I know it was decidedly weird. I tried to talk him off the ledge. He wasn't budging. I'd preach that faith to one too many times. And he was locked onto it like a dog on a bone. He was speaking salvation, deliverance, and miracles for people who passed by. And that sounds like a cool story that we all just giggle about. But here's what else happened. The next 12 months, documented, not Easter, not Friends Day, not bring a neighbor, not a special service, just regular services only. 1,000 first-time guests. 1,000 first-time never barking the door of that church guests walked in that house of God, and hundreds of them would receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I had friends call me, Glenn, how'd that happen? How'd they get that to occur? My God, I heard you having all these guests. What's going on? They didn't want to hear many stories about that, but I'll tell you this. If you decide, hey, I'm not worried about what anybody thinks about me, I'm going to sell myself out. I'm done. I'm done. I've got the last thing. The last thing you have to do. I'm, I'm out of time, and I borrowed three minutes, and I'm a minute and a half into my borrowed three, so I'm in a bad shape. So here I am on the fourth deal. You've got to develop a spiritual diet that feeds passion. Now, that means excluding some people, some things, some habits. And be aware, if you buy into radical passion, most people will try to talk you out of it. They'll say things like, you better calm down. You better settle that bunch down. People don't want no church like that, I'm telling you. You come too late to convince me of that, ladies and gentlemen. You come too late to invent. But now, now listen, I was raised up on Huckabuckin' Church. Now, Huckabuck is a, is a Mississippi design word. And, and basically what that was, was on a good Sunday night, when they got that music just right, we cut a rug, babe. I mean run. We run wild. People nearly about run into each other in the aisles. The pastor had to get on the mic, okay, we're going to run this way. Because people are going crazy. But, but really, they only did that when you got the music fast and red hot. And I'm into that. You get it fast and red hot, that Mississippi comes out in me. I will start cutting the rug on you in a minute. I'm ready to run. Just somebody suggest, y'all want to run the aisles? I'm like, yeah, I'm in. So I'm for that. But this passion I'm talking about, it's not that kind. It's a passion that has to be injected by the Holy Ghost. It's a deposit that God has to give. I'll illustrate it like this. It was that same group of people. 
I was preaching a message about praying for miracles, and the miracles already happening, but you don't lift your head up enough to acknowledge them. Talking about him praying Peter out of jail. Talking about the scripture. He was knocking on the door. They were so locked up praying. They didn't recognize the miracles already done. So I was, I was going on that one. Man, we was having church. But I'd, I'd set it up before service. Had a few guys. I told I want you to get outside. I want you to start banging on the door. And you're going to signify the miracle trying to get in. And I'm going to give the word. When I give the word, I want y'all to sling those doors open. And I want y'all to come dancing in those doors. And when you do, people are going to be healed tonight. Well, they was up for any kind of challenge like that. They was a wild group. They got out there. I got to preaching. Somebody misinterpreted my signal. I should have coached them up a little better. Somebody misinterpreted my signal. And before I got to my good spot, they started banging on the door. They were commercial doors like that, metal frame. When they got to banging on those doors, I thought they was going to bang them off the hinges. I said, dear God. I told the usher, you better open the things. They're going to tear them up. We've had a lot of money for that stuff. And ladies and gentlemen, when they ripped those doors open and those wild worshipers full of faith, radical fellas came dancing down the aisle. I'm talking about cancers, heart trouble, family situations you couldn't fix that were impossibly broken. Started being fixed, healed. That service, the musicians played until their fingers got cramps. Their cows got cramps. They called me, Pastor, could you call off the dogs? There's 300 folk dancing around the altar. Been dancing over two and a half hours, praying people through. They were baptizing people by the droves while these folk were down here dancing. They'd be praying them through, baptizing them, never break their stride. So I said, hey, just have them play a CD. They can't dance to canned music. So the sound guy pressed the button. All the musicians quit. They kept dancing. We went to the IHOP. Two and a half hours come by. Then people been in the altar probably three and a half hours. 200-some people dancing, shouting, worshiping. It wasn't no hype. It was a spiritual injection that God had dropped in. And that's what I'm prophesying over this house. I feel it. I preach this message on divine intention this morning. And we're going to walk through that portal, ladies and gentlemen, in this thing. But we're not going to wait for Friday night. There's some stuff going to happen. But I feel like there's some people in this building while I've been preaching. You've just been waiting. Hurry, Brother Massey. Hurry. Because i got to get to that altar. Because I'm going to be one of those people that God drops passion in. 
I feel like it. Won't you stand with me? That's right. There's some guys right here saying, man, I want some of that passion. I'm going to pray a prayer over you. Keep coming. If you need the Holy Ghost, come on. If you need a miracle, come on. If you got a cancer or heart trouble that nobody knows about and doctors saying it can't get fixed, come on. It's just going to happen in this altar right here, right now. God's going to do it. I want a passion. The Holy Ghost, red hot, baptized, injection. Now I'm going to ask God to drop that passion in on us today. But if you need a healing, and you came up here less about the passion, more about the healing. When I pray that prayer, just lift your hands. God's going to heal you. If you need the Holy Ghost, while I'm praying, God's just going to drop it on you. If you've repented, He's going to give it to you. Now, if you're one of those people, and you say, God, I love hype, I'll dance, I'll shout with the greatest hypers, I'm not against that. I'm for it. But this is another level of God-induced, ordained passion. And I want it so it just comes out of me. I want it so I don't have to be motivated by a good sermon or a good song. Just I get in the presence of God and it just comes out of me. If you're one of those people that want that, I want you to raise both hands right here. <laughs> and while I'm praying, whatever comes out of your mouth, you let it flow out of your mouth right now. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Ghost. I pray for myself and everybody in this building that there be a divine injection of a supernatural passion. Unlock it, Holy Ghost. That's why I lift your voice while it comes on you. Inject it in our spirits where it's less about hype and it's everything about faith. Anoint us to be that passionate group. Anoint us. Anoint us. Anoint us. Anoint us. Anoint us. I want that passion. I want that passion. I want that passion. I want that passion. Where's the healing happening in here right now? A raw passion. <laughs> a real passion. Now I know somebody saying, <laughs> Brother Max, that sounds a little unruly. That, no, no, don't worry about that. There were some parameters in place. We wasn't going to tear a hole in the wall. But I want somebody to decide right here. 
I'm that person. I'm that person. I've got, I've got what it takes in me to birth that spiritual passion. There's going to be some soul winners birthed right here. Some spontaneous people that you're going to have a reputation around town, not as crazy, but as, hey, if you'll call Bill, Bill's praying for my friend. He, he got healed of cancer. Was he a preacher? No. He's just some anointed guy. Goes down there to Sanctuary Community Church. He's anointed. God's raising some of you up in the house. God wants to raise up some spontaneous worshipers. Some radical altar workers who have tact and ability and gifting. And you can work through an altar and pray and miracles happen and folk receive the Holy Ghost. This is that day where God drops it. In my spirit. Hallelujah. I'm closing. I'm done. We got to go home. Pastor told me we, we used to get out at 1230. I can take subtle hints. It's 1220. He didn't tell me that before service. He didn't tell me that right now. And I was sitting in the church, at that church one day. And a lady came in that aisle, in that door on there, was door in the corner. She walked through the door talking in tongues, ran up on the stage, anointed herself with oil, walked out the door. I'm like, well, that's pretty cool. A little while later, lunchtime come around. Here was an old boy. He come around the corner. He had a Christian flag in his hand. He come running around the church with a Christian flag and left. I knew him. I said, Ronnie, what are you doing? He said, well, the Lord spoke to me and said, you need to go on your lunch break and you need to worship. He said, so that's all I had time for, just to run through the church with a flag and get on back to work. All I'm telling you is God's about to drop it in your spirit. Lift your hands with me right now. <laughs> oh, I love the Holy Ghost. I love the Holy Ghost. My Lord, my Lord, my Lord. Thank you. Somebody shout, Holy Ghost. Fresh passion, fresh anointing in the name of Jesus. Pastor's going to come close this service out. If you need healing, I want to speak to some ladies right now who need some healing in your body. There's some ladies that need healing. And you know what you need healing for. I'm not going to go into detail on it. But God said he wants to do that divine miracle for you right now. If you're a lady and you need a healing, lift your hand. I feel that. I feel that in the Holy Ghost. There it is. There it is right there. You don't want to talk about it. 
embarrasses you a little bit to talk about it, but God said, I'm going to go ahead and heal it right now. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. We thank you for it. Be healed. Be healed. Holy Ghost!